the immune system, like I said, it's like your drunk friend in a bar. She's trying to protect you. And she's getting a misread on what's dangerous. And she's just not seeing clearly. That's the phlegm. And so she's throwing punches, trying to, she's trying like hell to protect you. She's trying like hell to give you a human experience. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. I wonder what these episodes produced and aired during the early days of COVID-19 are going to sound like in two years. You know, like looking back at the clothes of the 70s and the hairstyle of the 80s. Are we going to look back with a sense of nostalgia or that feeling of, oh my God, I can't believe it looked like that? Does it seem to you like right now everyone's got something to sell you, something to get you through this time? Seems to me the signal-to-noise ratio on the internet has become even more jumbled. Lots of people are touting their solutions. Experts all have their opinions and methods, usually with some kind of product or service as well. In a time of uncertainty, it's natural to try to normalize life and it's easy to grasp at something that might be a solution simply because we think it will staunch the bleeding. The bleeding of the money leaking out of our businesses, the bleeding away of a sense of certainty and trust in the world, the the hemorrhaging of what had been normal into what seems like an endless well of fear, anger, panic, and worry. It's easy and perhaps very human to look for solutions that are outside of ourselves, especially when we don't know how to navigate the territory we find ourselves in. But I suspect that this is actually the perfect moment to reflect more deeply on what it means to be a Chinese medicine practitioner. This is a moment to know for ourselves what we know, really know, not just about the medicine, but who we are as students of this art. I was talking with a friend the other day. Her practice evaporated in the space of a few days. Then she found herself doing what she could to help frontline healthcare workers secure protective gear. She said to me, if a Chinese medicine doctor cannot work in her clinic, then she needs to find where she can be helpful. There is always something for us to do. I've got a buddy, he lives in one of the red states, and he's working on a project to provide frontline staff with herbs and supplements to help keep them healthy. He too sees a problem as an opportunity to help. It's easy to see the problems in this moment of time. What's more of a challenge is seeing the opportunities that we have to help. It might not be with our usual or favorite methods, but as doctors and as creative people, there are always ways that we can help our communities. Just don't expect it to look like what you usually advertise on your webpage. We may not have the same opportunities right now to do acupuncture, but we can still help this world by seeing through our Chinese medicine eyes and allowing that to inform our actions. In a moment, we're going to get into a conversation about treating Hashimoto's disease. Heidi Lovey is the gal you want to have next to you in the bar fight against Hashimoto's. Lots of good information coming up here. And trust me, there's some sciencey science in here too. Heads up, it's anything but boring. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. 
Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. All right, I don't know about you, but trying to understand thyroid issues from the conventional medicine perspective has been rather elusive for me. It's a complicated endocrinological organ. Let's get into this conversation with Heidi that will not only help you better use Chinese medicine to treat thyroid issues, but you're going to better understand the Western medicine piece of it as well. This is a fun and fast-paced episode. Buckle up. 
Heidi Levy, welcome to Geological. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And I'm super excited to talk to you today because we're going to talk about thyroids. Love it. My favorite topic. <laughs> How did thyroid get to be your favorite topic? By absolute accident. In this profession, we have things we like to treat, and we have things that we hope to treat, and we have things that we're very good at because we know them intimately. So I was diagnosed with thyroid disease at 18. I probably had thyroid disease since 11 or 12. And so I kind of went through my own harrowing journey with it because that was the 90s when I was diagnosed, right? So best I could do was I remember at 18, I got a call from the internist who this panicked call because it was my college physical. And it was the first time my thyroid had been tested for the physical and called and was almost like screaming through the phone. You have to come back in. You have to get it on Synthroid immediately. This is dangerous. And at 18, you know, you don't really know your ass from a hole in the ground around health. You're just whatever. So I didn't take the meds. And at five foot one, if you stretch me like on a rack and hang me upside down, that's as tall as I'll get. I was 240 pounds on eating anywhere from 800 to 1200 calories a day. My body was just a wreck. Did you feel like a wreck at that time? I felt like a wreck. But, but, the, but this is the thing though, right? Because I had probably been sick from the time I was a child. I didn't know what healthy felt like. Right. This was your sense of normal. That was my normal, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, oh, it's totally normal that you can't remember words and you have to make them up. It's totally normal that you need 17 hours of sleep on the weekend. It's totally normal foggy thinking and just all of it. But I'm just going to like buckle through and just do it because that's what we do, right? Like I'm from the Midwest, right? So it's like, that's what we do in Minnesota, that farmer thing. We're going to do it. <laughs> so what happened was is I did part of my undergraduate in Japan. And I wasn't done with the experience, so I went back to teach English in Japan. And that's when I first actually had an encounter with an acupuncturist. Now, were you taking thyroid medication at that time? Were you not like half really. Right, yeah. like when I remembered, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but, you know, like thyroid medication takes a little while to settle in. So because I was taking it haphazardly, I would take it and I wouldn't feel any different. I was like, well, why the hell am I even taking this? Like, what's the point? I don't want to be on medication. I don't like medication. Like the idea of being on medication for the rest of my life, like I just, I, I don't want that. So I was snowboarding quite a bit and, you know, my weight dropped to maybe like 190. And this was when I was snowboarding four days a week on a Japanese diet, Ooh, running nice. uphill. Yeah. <laughs> snowboarding <laughs> in Japan. I mean, it, it was, it was amazing. And um, a friend pulled a hamstring and I was like, all right, dude, see you at the end of the season. You're done. And he was back up and running with us in two weeks. That got your attention, didn't it? Totally got my attention. I was just like, ding, 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 ding. Wait, what is this? And he said, oh, come meet my acupuncturist, this guy named Kudibata Sensei. And so Kudibata Sensei had a house in the middle of a rice field. And the front of the house was his clinic. You go to the clinic, and then the back door of the clinic was the front of the house. So there were three of us that would take appointments at the end of the day and then just go have dinner with him and his wife and hang out. And he was the singularly most delightful, sweetest, just energetic. Like, you just wanted to be with him. You just wanted to be in his presence. And so I didn't, I just thought acupuncture was like voodoo bullshit. I was just like, I don't even know why I'm coming. I'm just coming because I like this guy. And I like hanging out, and I like 
speaking Japanese, all of a sudden, doing acupuncture, <laughs> my thyroid started behaving. Just acupuncture? Just acupuncture. With this extraordinary guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My thyroid started behaving, um, my weight started coming down, my cramps cleared up. During rice cutting season, I'd be in bed for a week because of my allergies, because of all the dust kicked up. I was totally fine. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute. This is what people feel like. This is what it feels like not to be like exhausted and tired and sluggish and, you know, kind of all the things. And then I moved back to the U.S. I moved to New York right after 9-11. And great time to move to New York, but literally the month after. And I wound up working for a Japanese tea company. And within a year, my health crashed. So I found an acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. Good idea. And within two sessions, right, my thyroid was ticking again. So it was almost like muscle memory. Then I was at the company and I was talking with a colleague. And she said, you know, it sounds like you have what I have. Go see my endocrinologist. So I saw the endocrinologist and he sonogrammed my throat and he said, oh, you have classic Hashimoto's. And I started crying. Like I started crying and he's like, why are you crying? I said, because I have a diagnosis, which means I have something to work with. Yes. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And he's like, you got to do synth. I was like, I don't, something's not sitting right with this like synthroid racket. You said, hang on a second. I just want to, I'm going to ask about that racket, synthroid racket. Tell me more about that. I mean, we're going to get back to your story here, but I'm curious to hear about the racket. So what the racket is, is the standard treatment for thyroid disease hasn't changed in over 50 years. It's hormone replacement is what it is. It's not technically an HRT, but but we're going to call it an HRT. So it's hormone replacement therapy. It's a kind and of an HRT. It's kind of an HRT mm-hmm. because you are replacing, you're replacing T4. In the, the mid to early 20th century, the, the replacement that they were using was porcine thyroid armor was kind of the standard. Whether or not like you want to be taking like dissected pig, I consider it an herb because herbs are plants, animals, and minerals. And so therefore, dissected thyroid does fall into that herbal category for us. But so they were treating it w- for, with armor forever. Now, the thing and this is something that I talk to patients quite a bit about, is that there's a huge difference between T4 and T3. The way that I describe it, I'm sorry if this is redactive, right? No, well, you know, I mean, I suspect that there's a bunch of us that don't quite know. It's like patients come in, they got this thyroid thing, we studied it a little bit, we know that there's thyroid-stimulating hormone, there's some other stuff, it's complicated, Oh my God, I just hope they respond to acupuncture, you know? I'm going to give you like the elevator speech, right? And we'll get back to the story at some point. But the way that I like to think of the endocrine system, it's like a company. So anyone that's worked in corporate can understand this. Where the the pituitary, it's like the CEO and the COO. So it's the pituitary's job to have that future vision for the company. Who are we in the world? Where are we moving to? The five-year vision, the 10-year vision, like where are we going? And how are we interacting with the environment? And then the rest of the endocrine system is kind of middle management. And so how it speaks to middle management is through a hormone feedback loop. Now, if, if, we come, if we bring this into our medicine for a second, blood, how much water is in blood? Blood looks like water, it acts like water, it moves like water, but it's in the fire category because it's communication. And it's red. And it's red. 
But this communication piece is how the body communicates to itself. Heart is communication. Fire is communication. And yes, it's fire and water together, but it's that fire piece to it, right? And so how the CEO is going to speak to middle management is through this hormone. It's like email, right? And so anytime you see SH, stimulating hormone, TSH, FSH, whatever that is, that's the volume at which the CEO is having to speak to middle management. Mm-hmm. So if the volume's cranked up and he's fucking screaming, it's like, well, yo, slow your roll. Why are you screaming at me? So if the TSH is kicked up and like the CEO is just having to like pound into middle management, it's because middle management can't hear it because manage- middle management maybe is a little sluggish or middle management's having to deal with a fight over to the side mm-hmm. and it literally can't hear it. They're distracted. Totally distracted. We're totally working on some other stuff here. Yeah, like, sorry, yeah. boss, I hear you, whatever, right? So it's that, it's that hormone loop. What TSH does, what the CEO does to the middle management, now it's middle management's jobs to make sure that the direct hires have the materials they need to work to run the company. You got the stuff you need for your job? Good, yes, bad, what, what do you need? So one of the biggest things we need to run, <laughs> human LLC or, you know, human dot <laughs> corporation is, is thyroid. It's, it's a type of gasoline. What happens with the thyroid is that T4 is stimulated. Now, about like 85 to 90% uh, is T4 that comes out of the thi- thyroid. Only about like 10% is T3. Mm-hmm. So the okay. thyroid's job is to produce T4. Mm-hmm. For the most part. In essence. For the most in part. essence. In it's, essence. It's, one of its, it's like its main product. Yeah. And so, but T4, it's like if I gave you a bag of snacky snacks, like full of kind bars, and it's like 8 a.m., I'm like, here are your snacky snacks. Don't all eat them in one place. Great. Go have your day. Take your snacky snacks. So you got your snacky snacks, right? You have your kind bars. And you're out and you're just like, mmm, I'm hungry. (laughs) So you pull a snacky snack out. And the first thing you have to do is open it. Right. Right? Yeah. That's T4 to T3. Uh, T3 is the snacky snack. T3 is a snacky snack. T4 is a wrapper. Yeah, it's the wrapper. It's like you have, well, that's like one analogy. It's not a perfect analogy, but, but it's a package, right? Okay. And so this unwrapping or this opening or this conversion happens mostly in the liver. It happens mostly in the gut, a little bit in the brain and a little bit in the kidneys. Mm-hmm. So liver is a big player. Liver is a huge player. Gut is a huge player. As much as I can go into functional medicine with this, we're acupuncturists and our medicine can actually contain this and and when we we look at it through kind of like our theory right this conversion you need liver chi to do it you need spleen chi to convert and if you don't have liver chi or spleen chi what's going to happen you're going to have this downstream impact of liver blood deficiency and then you know it's going to hit liver yin deficiency and so the school of thought that i come from with this where i'm I'm really rooted and where i've seen the biggest changes is the piway loon Mm-hmm. Lee Dong Yuan like nailed this shit. He fucking nailed it. <laughs> Thank you, Lee Dong Yuan. So, the number one herb that comes through my practice is Bujang Yi Chitong. However, like I, I, I need to caution. I, I need to give big caution in that one of the mistakes that I see students and practitioners make is patients come in and they're like, "Oh, they're tired. I'll give you Bujang Yi Chitong," but they're not diagnosing according to pattern. They're diagnosing according to symptom. Well, we know that's a problem. It's a huge problem in the field. 
So there's corrections that, that need to be made with it, but a lot of autoimmune and, you know, whether it's Hashimoto's or Graves or MS or lupus or, you know, CDC's got over like 108 autoimmunes listed as like formal autoimmunes, right? The one thing that they all have in common is inflammation, but it's chronic ongoing inflammation. So it's this kind of low grade damp thing going on. Now, if we come back to the Piway Loon, remember that the five element structure that he used, it predates that kind of like pentagram star that we use. So the five element model that he used is earth is in the center, Right, and then you've got you've got north, south, east, west. Okay, yeah, but but let's break this down even more. Like if we break this down even more, it's so cool. Earth is in the center, fire's on top, water's below. We have um, wood on the west to the left if we're facing this right, and metal to the east, and it spins. So this is a very poor two dimensional model of a four dimensional phenomena because we have the dimension of time. And so this is actually moving forward, the spinning, right? I swear to God, I'm going to come back to thyroid. This plays into thyroid 100%. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm okay. Yeah. So. I'm, I, I love the journey we're going on here. Okay. It all Good. makes sense. It, it makes sense. Your end. It's like, well, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. All right. So, so, but this is the kicker, right? So, so what gets the circle to spin? Well, spleen goes up. Snacky snacks. goes down. That's snacky what gets it to spin. Yeah. Well, yeah. Snacky, <laughs> you always need snacky snacks for a bicycle ride. Okay. <laughs> so imagine that the circle spinning is like yes. a it's like a, a bike wheel. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in the center of the bike, of any single bike, you have the 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 pedals, right? That you have to like move. So spleen goes up, stomach goes down. That friction between that movement of Earth is what actually gets that five elements model to spin. Oh. You, you you need the friction of Earth, right? That's why Earth is in the center, Earth and it spins the whole process. It spins the whole process, and it's this like glorious dynamic between the spleen and the stomach that do it. This up down friction that gets the whole thing to turn. Okay, so now in our model, in in Lee's model, what happens when the spleen goes down? Number one, the whole thing stops spinning. It gets soggy and cloggy and boggy and the stomach doesn't go up either. Nope. Nope. So both of them go down, but that soggy, cloggy, boggy crunk winds up dripping into the water access. So now we have like damp and we got crunk and we just got like crap down there. Mm -hmm. It's a slow drip, right? Mm -hmm. It's like mold. It's like mm -hmm. a slow drip. Mm -hmm. But remember we have the Ming Mun. Mm -hmm. So the Ming Mun's kind of like burning next to it. But what happens is the water is going to try and shunt like some of this crunk off to the liver because that's that's the cycle that it spins. It's going to like put it into the west. Now the liver is going to get stagnant. Put it in the east. Yes, put it in the, the east. Thank yeah, you. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at this backwards in my head. So but it's going to shunt it off to the liver. Okay. And it, it's, it's going to be just pushing this crunk. So the liver is going to slow down. Because it's full of gunk. Because it's full of gunk, which means that the heart at the top it's not going to get the nourishment it needs from the liver. But then what happens is the Yang Ming sets this whole shit on fire, right? So you have this, this like fire that comes up through the earth into the fire. And now, now you have like, so now not only do we have spleen chi deficiency, kidney yin deficiency, kidney yang deficiency, liver chi deficiency, liver blood deficiency. We also have heat harassing the heart and the lung is choked out from this. So we're going to have lung chi deficiency. It's a clusterfuck. 
it is a clusterfuck because the spleen went down. Li Dongyuan came up with this whole idea of yin fire. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're talking about. This is exactly what we're talking about. This is exactly what we're talking about. This thing, this, this, the, the fluids come down, the spleen sheet comes down, you're kind of smothering, smoldering, mm-hmm. and everything so you just have this gets low-grade burn, and like everything gets choked out. So the, the patient presentation of this is a hot mess. And it's usually women. I consider thyroid to be a feminist issue. And why is that? Well, last time I, I looked at the numbers, it was like 43 million people like suffer it's, from it's thyroid. It's way more women than men. In over like a decade of doing this, I've seen two dudes. Any idea why, dudes. This, why, why is this? Any, any sense why this is the case? <sighs> well, I mean, my, my two yen <laughs> regarding it would be that a female endocrine system it's like a Lamborghini. A dude em- endocrine system, it's a little bit like a Toyota Corolla. Like, it's just like, it's a different operating system, right? Okay. And so, because of this endocrine system that we're cycling faster than men cycle, mm-hmm. right? There, there's a call and a response. And if it's because, not tuned up, it's mm, not doing its thing. It's, it's not doing its thing. Okay. And so, because of, of menstruation and, you know, how the endocrine system is fine-tuned to that and what it's reading... I think that the the endocrine system, like women just tend to be a little bit, what I see, right, a, a little bit more s- sensitive to environmental triggers. And they're more sensitive to emotional triggers too, just because we're kind of wired differently, you know? And, and, and then there's the cultural stuff. I mean, women do tend to be more sensitive to a lot of things than men. Well, okay, but also let's be clear. Imagine the form that we come into, the human form that we come into when a form that's molded by estrogen versus a form that's molded by testosterone. Totally different right? patternings. It, they're they're going to be different patternings, yes. but, but there's also, you know, going to be like just a different form. And I think like in that yin, right? So if yin roots yang and, you know, yang like holds yin, right? Things tend to proliferate and Mm, okay, I'm not being straight with this. L- let me give another example. So, foo organs, mm-hmm. bags and tubes. Bags and tubes. Bags and tubes. That's right. it. Bags and tubes. Yes. Right. And and they're kind of second class. It's like, well, you can kind of do without some of these tubes. You can often do without a lot of the bag. Yeah, that bag. We can get rid of half of that bag. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. But yin organs. You know, the Chinese character regarding yin organs. It denotes storage. And it denotes storage of something precious. But, you know, if you have a precious bag of rice and a little bit of mold gets in there, the whole bag can get moldy real fast. Yin just provides like a little bit more breeding ground for crunk, right? And so when, when you're residing in a form that has an endocrine system that's been molded by estrogen and the call and response because the menstruation is different, the receptors are just going to be much more sensitive to things than if you're in a form that's been molded by testosterone. Yes. So is this why so often thyroid issues look like yang deficiency? Because what you're just talking about, we've got this yin. Things can kind of get moldy or gunky with that. What helps with that? Some yang to move. Kind of. Can be but, really so, useful. It can be, but but this is the issue. It, it is a yang deficiency because let's come back to the snacky snacks. All right. So T3, it's gasoline to run off of. 
right? So we have the T4 and we have to be sure that we're converting into T3. So we always look at the gut and we always look at the liver to make sure like those guys can actually open the T4. T3 is just one form of gasoline. Now, if, if you don't have that gasoline, you're not producing it or you're not converting to it. The next gasoline that the body actually self-produces is kidney yang. So you're going to tap into the kidney yang and you're going to blow your kidney yang. Okay, now, now once you blow your kidney yang, what the fuck are you going to do? What you're going to do is you're going to do anything that converts to something that looks like yang. So you're going to do the caffeine, the carbs, and the sugar. And then you're going to blow the spleen out even more. And around and around and around and around and around and around we go. And so because there's this constant need and looking for like gasoline for the system to run, because we don't have like that, that, that primary gas, like the good mm -hmm. gas. So, um, so you're looking for what you can get to burn. You're looking for anything that you get to burn, right? And so then, you know, from like a Western functional standpoint, it's, yeah, it's kind of like adrenal fatigue -y. It's like leaky gut. It's like, you know, this whole thing. But because, now remember, because the immune system's like looking this way, because it's it's under attack, the back door is open. So what we often see with, with thyroid presentations is secondary infections. So we see things, especially in the Northeast here, we see things like Lyme's disease, we see Bartonella, we see EBV, we see herpes, we see other viral loads, we see cytomegalovirus, we see like all this other stuff because they're opportunistic. Hello everyone, Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. You know, this is something I was wondering about. Sometimes people don't feel well. They don't know why they're not feeling well. They come in with other issues. And one of the questions in my mind is, well, is there something going on with the thyroid that's allowing for these kinds of things? So it's very helpful to hear this, that there's these secondary opportunistic things that show up. So, but what happens is, as the practitioner, you can get diverted, right? So well, it's very confusing. It's super confusing. So what happens is we come back, let's come back to this, this antique five element thing I was talking, like this antique five element model, right? Of like a hot mess walking in because like spleen is blown, kidneys are blown, like heart's not getting anything. It's being harassed. Lungs just shot, like liver's all congested, right? And now you got like Lyme, cytomegalop, maybe a little bit of heavy metals for shits and giggles, right? And it's just like as a practitioner, you're like, Whoa. what do you do? Where do you what start? What do I do? Right. Where do you start? And so, a lot of practitioners they wind up either symptom chasing or pattern chasing, because remember, like we're organic, dynamic beings. So anytime 
we come in in face to face with a patient, we all have like three to four patterns at any given time. It's just which one is percolating to the top. Or which is the one that we as practitioners like to treat. You know, it's kind of it's kind of our bag. We like to treat X Y Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the practitioner starts playing whack a mole with it, right? And it's just like whack liberty, like whack this, whack this, and the patient. It's like this. Things don't change. Okay, so let me tie some of this in together, like in from the previous conversation with the rackets and all that. Okay, the racket regarding like Synthroid, like it's nice, right? Because it suddenly gives like the patient some juice, some you got some snacky more. snacks. You got some snacky snacks, right? And, and they're snacky and they're readily available snacky snacks. Yeah, and so what happens is then you take the blood, right? You take the blood and it's like ah. I looked at the blood and it says you got enough snacky snacks and your CEO is like, calm down. He's not screaming at you. Mm-hmm. And I got that guy off our back. I got your guy off your back. Shut, your blood works good. Up. Yeah. And your patient's like, oh my God, I'm still like, I'm not sleep like 18 hours. you like, I'm so exhausted. I can't think. Oh, I'm so they, totally so they symptomatic. they still feel awful. I still feel awful. They still feel like garbage. Even though the blood looks mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we've feel- all had patients like that. Yeah. My, my yeah, doctor says my blood looks great, and it's like, I feel like shit. Yeah. Okay. And one of the reasons that I agreed to do this podcast is I kind of want to get the message out that it's not a TSH game. It's not a T4 game. It's not a T3 game. It's not a hormonal replacement game. The blood work's not being tested correctly. They're not testing the antibodies what happens is, is you get tested once, you turn up positive for Hashimoto's, and then the doctor's like, well, you got this autoimmune, fuck off, we're not like testing again. Once you got it, you got it, sorry. But now listen, like LabCorp versus Quest, they use different um, like numbers for testing. Can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. Okay, Western medicine is supposed to be super objective, we got these tests, this is this, this is that. They got different tests that have different results. How come there's different standards? How come there's not one standard? It's because of the labs they're using, and it's the sensitivity of the equipment. Like another good one is limes. You can have you can get tested for limes and have a lot of false negatives, but there's only two labs in the U.S. that actually test appropriately for limes, where they test for banding. So you have to know what lab. You have to know what lab to use. Do conventional doctors recognize this as well? Some do, some do. The younger ones do, where Mm. I find that I come up against the most resistance with things is old school endocrinologists. We're like, fuck you, the TSH is fine. They're on Synthroid. I'm not redoing the antibody levels. And then I wind up, like I've gotten into like pissing matches with them because I'm like, look, on the lab values that you're using. So there's TPO and there's TGAB. And so it's thyroid perioxidase versus thyroid globulin. And they both have to do with the thyroid, right? And what you need to know in this context to make it easier is one is an enzyme. TPO is an enzyme that resides in the thyroid. TGAB, thyroid globulin, it's a protein that resides in the blood. And both of them have to do with thyroid hormone production. So what Hashimoto's is, it's antibodies that attack either the enzyme and or the the protein. So a blood level reading, I think like like, uh, LabCorp uses 34. So anything, so a TPO number under 34 is no autoimmune. A TPO number over 34 is Hashimoto's. Now, 
I am here to tell you that a TPO number of 80 versus a TPO number of 800 versus a TPO number of 2000 are three clinically totally absolutely different presentations and are going to be different experiences. So it's not just a yes, no, you got it, you don't got it. There are different presentations depending on what those values are. It's it's the veracity of it. And one of the things that I tell patients is like, yo, like your Hashis versus my Hashis versus her Hashis versus their Hashis. Like our lab values, it's just a data set that tells a story, right? That's why I love data. I used to work in a bank and I could sit in Excel all day. I get these big fucking data dumps because I could tell stories if you know how to pull it. Blood work tells stories. If you know how to pull it. If you know how to pull it. So I often tell patients, like, please go get the proper blood work because we're going to be able to look at it, not because I'm going to be doing Western medicine, right? I, I'm a Chinese medicine physician clinician. That's who I am. But I love the blood work because it tells a story and it tells me the flavor of their Hashis. It tells me the flavor and a little bit more of the experience. So if somebody is coming in and they're on their 10th goddamn miscarriage, and they're just like, I've been to the doctor, like everything's okay. I'm like, give me your thyroid blood work. And their TPOs are sitting over 800. And I'm like, we got to get your antibodies like below 100. You're getting pregnant, which is cool, but you're not holding the pregnancy. So it's not like necessarily like, like a kidney jing issue. It's not that. It's a different issue. So we get the antibodies under 100. Baby, 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 baby. No problem. So the subjective experience, it, like what this really is, is it's not hormone replacement. It's an antibody fight. It's a damp heat fight. It's a damp toxin fight. Which is back and to what we were talking about earlier. It comes back, right? It comes back, back to the Back to our antique five element model yeah. and, and the spleen she's sinking. Yeah. So the only non-negotiable that I ever do with, you know, because I think like everybody's, it's hard being human. Being human's a bitch. Like I tell my students this all the time. No, I'm coming back as a gay man's Pomeranian named Coco. Like, I've got this whole reincarnation plan. It's going to be fabulous. But, you know, it's hard being human. And so I'm willing to negotiate most things with patients so that they can be compliant. Because compl I'm, I'm more into compliancy than I am into, like, my way or the highway, mm -hmm. right? You want to help them in the way that they're willing to receive the help. Wherever they are. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the only non-negotiable... The absolute only non-negotiable with Hashi's is gluten-free. It is the only non-negotiable. If they're not willing to go gluten-free, I actually won't work with them. I refer them out. And and it's not that, like, listen, gluten's not bad. I fucking love gluten. I love gluten. And there's a reason I called it the fertile crescent, right? Like when the wheat grew and it's just like it fed the masses and we saw shifts in society and culture and growing and, you know, all of that. Every time like high levels of protein are introduced into the mass population, we see a culture shift. We see a civilization shift. Gluten's awesome. It's a protein. It's super cool, mm -hmm. right? And it's tasty. super yummy. Tasty. It's great bread. I love my croissants, right? <laughs> However, there is a protein in gluten called gliandin. Now, if I were to write, like if I were to do like minority report, right? I were to write out like the, the protein chain gliandin, it would be like ABC123. If I were to write out the protein chain for thyroid, it would be A, B, C, X, Y, Z. So what happens is if it's, when your immune system is primed, it's like it's in a bar fight and it's a little drunk 
and it's like your best friend drunk trying to protect you. ABC, I know you. And then it goes and punches it. So what winds up happening is, is the more ABC is in the system, the more antibodies get released. And the more antibodies, again, and around the circle goes. Around, 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 around. So the idea is to reduce the antibodies if you can. Mm-hmm. 100%. percent mm-hmm. And we can do that. We can do that. Okay. 100% we can do that. And so, and so partly the deal with this Synthroid racket is, in some cases we're keeping, in many cases we're just attempting to keep, a dysfunctional system continuing in its dysfunctional way. Mm-hmm. And but with synth- enough snacky snacks that you can hopefully get by. Yeah, they get, and that's what they do is like they get by. They get by. And there's also like, you know, and this isn't something that I've seen written in the literature too much, but like when I've talked with other clinicians who, who work with thyroid, there is definitely like a profile. There's definitely like a profile to like who shows up with Hashis. I was at a dinner party, I don't know, like, like a while ago, and somebody was like kvetching about their sister. And they, they're just like, oh, you know, my sister, like, she's got like two kids. She's super exhausted because she never says no at work. She's working like 85 hours a week and like her home is immaculate. Like it's, it's perfect. The kids are like, you know, A students because she helicopter, she's always with like the kids, but she has like boundary issues. She especially has boundary issues with like our mother who, and my mother, and our mother happens to be a raging narcissist and is always like calling on my sister. And like, my sister's like always putting everything down to take care of my mom. Is it starting to sound like someone, you know, right? So, (laughs) and I just look over, it's like, so how bad is your sister's Hashi's? (laughs) And they're just like, how'd you know? She was recently diagnosed. I was like, oh, have her come in. If you don't have enough snacky snacks and you don't have enough gasoline to run, you're going to dip into the will. Part of the profile that I see tends to be women, tends to be women with either a narcissist or someone with narcissist-like behavior, primary within the family, parent, sister, something. Sometimes it can be um, a sibling that had a a really bad health condition that the whole family was focused on the sibling, right? So the sibling wasn't necessarily a narcissist, but everything was focused. Everything was focused on them. They drew all the attention. Yeah, and so so the individual learns to back burner themselves. And the esteem comes from what you do for people, not who you are. So I call them plate spinners. So what happens is they start like, how many plates can I get going? Like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Like, how can I be the best? Like, look, look, look what I'm doing for you. That's where they receive love, attention and ego. And we all have ego. We all need ego. Like ego is not a bad thing. But but that's where they get that positive feedback. Because what would happen if all the plates fell and you're just out there with the tits hanging out like you don't think anyone would love you? Because you've been groomed and primed to like do for others. And you're so exhausted and you just dip into the well and you keep going. So these. So, so we're back to, to looking at this kidney weakness mm-hmm. because yeah. you've been sucking on your jing in, in essence. It's taxation. Taxation. It's taxation. It's not a jing deficiency. It's, it's, not, it's not a pre-heaven jing deficiency. Ah, okay. Right? Right. It's taxation. Now, that being said, that being said, the stereotype for thyroid used to be middle-aged women. I've treated two-year-olds. We're seeing Hashis show up 
younger and younger and younger and younger. Why like do you I said, think that's the case? What's going environment, on here? Environment. And it comes back to the Piwe Loon. Treat the earth first is not just in the body. It's environmentally. Okay. So, so I, 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 I just want to let this sink in for a moment because I was just listening to you talk about people pulling on their will. And I was going to kidney and then we were just talking about it. Then you go, no, it's really more taxation. It's more this earth piece. It's more this me as a, a person. And if I can give, 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 then I have value. So that, so that really is an earth imbalance more than a kidney. Yeah, and, and they look for like even little ways to give. And these are people then if you try and give them something, they won't take it. They won't take it. But like I'm telling you, Christmas, fuck in this office, Christmas, like it's like bountiful in here because all my patients are coming in and like even if it's little things and like giving me things, right? But it's that earth and like which is delightful and it's nice and thank you so much. But like, but but it signals more that earth imbalance, mm -hmm. that overgiving. So you can really and see this in people's behavior. You could you could maybe not even look at their blood work. You've been doing this long enough. You got a sense of this. You can listen to them or watch them in action, and you'll see it. Yeah, it shows up. Yeah, I, I, I can usually nail it like within the first like two minutes at this point. Now, just for like shits and giggles, let's just throw one more monkey wrench into this whole thing. Okay, there's already, there's already sixteen monkey wrenches in here. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna throw one more in, right? right? And then we'll like blender it up. We'll, we'll blender blend, it we'll up. Put it in a blender. We got we got a ninja here. <laughs> We're gonna put it in the ninja. We're gonna spin it up. All right. Okay. All right. So now I'm really going to fuck with your head. All right. Are you listeners ready for this? Mm -hmm. Are you following this? Are you ready to have your head <laughs> fucked with? Yeah. Lay it so on this was, All right. So this was actually a game changer in my practice. Okay. So what would happen is, and I think we've all seen this, and again, I'm just going to refer to this as she because I tend to treat mostly women. Mm -hmm. Two dudes in 10 years? And one was like, it was a byproduct of parasites. And I was like, we cleared the gut and he was fine, which is a whole other like interesting case study. But so we've all had this though. Like you, you have um, female patient, two women, right? Almost identical presentation. And you diagnose both of them with liver blood deficiency and a little bit of liver cheat stagnation. Okay, fine. Pretty rote, right? So you have your herbs, you have your acupuncture. And you're treating both these women similarly, okay? So we're going to call one Abby and we're going to call the other Betty, A and B, okay? Abby and Betty. So Abby is super compliant. You say jump, she says how high, right? Betty is like, meh, kind of compliant. Like when she takes her herbs, she remembers. Betty is leapfrogging. You're able to discharge Betty from service within a month. Betty's fine. Abby is two steps forward, one step back. And Abby is compliant as all hell. And it's just like, Abby, what the fuck is going on? Right? I don't know. You need to be like a contrarian bitch to make this thing work? Yeah, like, like, wait, like, what? Like, what is happening? Okay, so I'll tell you what's happening with Abby. Abby has a genetic variation. Abby has a genetic variation that predisposes her to liver cheese stagnation and liver blood deficiency. And also, it toxes her up. So the genetic variation is MTHFR. There's, and I call it the motherfucker gene. Motherfucker A, motherfucker C. There's two of these. You get A and C. And if you think back to high school biology, 
you get a copy from mom and a copy from dad. Okay. So now I think you have a C right in the horizontal and mom and dad in the vertical. So now we have like this grid, right? And you want to be negative for mutations in all four corners of the grid. Now, before Obamacare, we couldn't, like in New York, we couldn't test for it. Like it was illegal to test for this in New York because if you tested positive, you would be nailed with pre-existing condition and you could be denied insurance. So New York just wouldn't even let you test for it. Okay, since we have these consumer protections, we're able to test for it. And so we're getting more and more data around it. Now the technology is a little bit ahead of the knowledge. Just because you can test for it doesn't mean you know 100% what it does, right? right? It can be there, but, but you don't know what its function is. What MTHFR, A and C do is they produce enzymes that methylate, which is a very specific type of detox. And it's not like Gwyneth Paltrow, like, oh my God, I have to do like a liver cleanse. Like, this is like, no, you got like telomeres, histamines, and heavy metals hanging out in the system because you're not clearing them. It's, it's so common that they're not even calling it a mutation anymore. They're calling it a variation. So about 40% of the population has one, one to four of the quadrants like the, uh, with this mutation, right? So for every mutation, your body's ability to methylate starts to decrease. So what, the, what this presentation looks like is maybe kind of a sick kid, right? Had colic. Kind of a couple of rounds of antibiotics for like strep. Maybe they had the tonsils removed, maybe not. Like ear infections, you know, something would come to school, they'd catch it, right? And they tend to have like food allergies, right? Maybe not necessarily nut allergies, like a little bit lower grade, right? Ah, oh, like if Abby eats tomatoes, she doesn't feel so good, right? She's kind of a picky eater. Okay, so then like Abby gets to, to menarche, like gets to menstruation, raging cramps, and all of a sudden she's getting headaches, Crazy migraines. Mm -hmm. Abby gets this to... This is pretty common stuff. Common stuff, right? Super common yeah, stuff. Super common stuff. But like high school, Abby starts to get kind of anxious for no reason. She starts like having like weird anxiety, like kind of like insomnia start, and like the period starts getting harder. So she goes on birth control. All right. So now the period's masked. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they were feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. I'm listening to you describe this. This is so many women that I see in my practice. I mean, this, this is, is I'm, I'm, this is at least forty percent of your women. Super okay. common. This is super, super common. common. Super common. So, 
All right. So Abby gets high school and maybe they give her like Imitrex to like manage the headaches and they put her on birth control, but like the headaches don't really go away and like her food sensitivities are getting worse. And ah, shit. Now Abby's got like eczema. Anxious as hell. And she's anxious as hell. And now she's got skin issues. Right. And she's like, where the fuck are these skin issues coming from? Like I got like psoriasis and like eczema. And then Abby gets to her twenties and Abby's just like, well, I guess this is just my new normal to feel like fatigued, but like I, I, I eat food and sometimes like it runs right through me and sometimes it doesn't. Like, I don't know what I can eat. Like I'm getting nervous sounding like your patients, right? Right. Oh, now they're diagnosed with irritable bowel. Now they have, yeah. Oh yeah. Now they have irritable bowel and bitch, you got some Xanax. Like, just for fun, right? So, so now, like Abby's like on Xanax, you're like, Imitrex, you're like a goddamn fortune control. teller. Yeah, yeah, right. So she's on Xanax, like birth control. Um, she's got Imitrex, but the Imitrex isn't really doing anything. So she's gonna high dose on naproxen sodium, and like hope that helps. And like she's down, she's tried FODMAP, she's tried keto, she's tried like all none of the diets are working. Now, now she's breaking out, and she's she's got eczema. This is kind of a classic MTHFR mutation. Wow. Yeah. And so 80% of Hashis tend to have like, I, I wish I don't have the, I don't have the mutation. Like I had hoped I did. I was like, God, that would explain so much. But it's like 80% of Hashis have this mutation because what happens is, is since the system isn't clearing histamine loads and it's not clearing other things, you have this like histamine load back up. And they're not able to open B vitamins. So they're going to appear anemic. They're going to appear blood defi- like Chinese medicine blood deficient. And now like they, their gut's all jacked. So they're not actually pulling nutrients from food. And so you have this compounded thing that's happening. This is the one time that I do kind of lean heavily into functional medicine where you do have to clear those methylation pathways. And if you clear the methylation pathways, guess what? Abby catches up to Betty. Because she's able to detox and get all this crud out of her system. So really what you're doing is you're unburdening the spleen. Yep. But we but we do that by so we you can use a couple aminos to do it. So NLAC, what that does is it drops histamine loads in the upper jaw. Butyrate drops histamine loads in the middle jaw. And then they have to be on they have to be on uh, methylated B vitamin complex. And that's usually where I that's usually where I start if I suspect MTHFR. And then of course you you know what to do like you could eat spleen chi diet, but you make sure they're gluten free. And then they're just like, "Mine's gluten free, so hard." I'm like, "21 days, see what happens." Yeah, do an experiment. Be your own white mouse. Find out. Yeah, yeah. And then day 21, I want you to go to the fucking Olive Garden and order like unlimited pasta. I want you to blow the system out. I want you to have so much pasta, you're pooping noodles. And what happens is they have a gluten reaction. And they know it. And they know it. And they, they, and they see the relationship. Mm-hmm. And yes. they see the relationship and they're just like, yo, gluten-free. So like with Hashi's, that's the number one thing you can do. And then you go into the split. Now, I know other practitioners that have had great success great success working at like the yin chow and the yang chow level right doing specific things with the ren because the ren goes right through the endocrine system right there's no one way to skin a cat this is just my experience and and what i've discovered clinically and there's other ways to approach it but this is where i've found like a couple like clinical pearls and and gems to come back to the beginning of the story with kudibata sensei in japan he was the one who told me, you can't ignore this. 
you can't ignore your thyroid. You can't do it. You, you got to pay attention to it. And it took me a couple of years. And after my kind of harrowing experiences with endocrinologists who weren't listening to me and who were just throwing synthetic drugs, I went to Chinese medicine school to figure it out. And that's what I primarily studied. And when I came into private practice, it's just kind of what I started treating. This is just treating. what you do. It's just what I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were already deeply studied in it by the time you got out because of all the experience that you had before you went in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now that being said, I do take meds. I take NatureThroid. I take NatureThroid every single day. Um, I have no problem with it. I have no problem sharing that. I have no problem telling patients that. What is NatureThroid? NatureThroid. Oh, nature so na to come back again to like the, the racket. So Armour used to be the standard for thyroid. It used to be the standard prescribed medication, right? So like the old school endocrinologists in like the 50s and 60s, that's just what they used. And then Synthroid hit the market. Now Synthroid is just T4. If you're doing dissected thyroid um, hormone, be it like pigs, you know, we're like 99.99% related to pigs. So it's kind of the closest we can get to, to bioidentical without actually customizing it. It has T4 and T3 in a natural form that your body understands. And it's not having to work double time to convert. So what happens is, is when, when T4, when Synthroid hit the scene as something completely synthetic, there was a huge marketing campaign around it and it was really pushed to doctors and it was pushed in medical schools and then it became standard and armor became secondary. And so the, the thinking with a lot of endocrinologists is, you know, if you're taking like 125 milligrams of Synthroid, every time you take that pill, it's 125 milligrams of Synthroid. If you're taking a couple grains of NatureThroid, maybe it's 118, maybe it's 130. So they're just like, oh, it's not the same dose every time. But guess what? Your thyroid doesn't pump out the same dose of T4 all the time. Like your thyroid acts seasonal right? Your body can react to this. And so what happens is, is a lot of people, and I include myself in this, we don't do well in the synthetics. We do better on like the, the nature throids and the armors. And, and it's a little bit of um, an art form to figure out like how to diagnose it. Well, it sounds like partly art form and partly some really like know your damn science. Mm -hmm. You have to know your science around it. And the antibodies, especially the TPO antibodies, because my antibodies raged for, you know, at least like if we say like I, I had it at 11 and I didn't really start doing meds until like 31, that's 20 years. Like I didn't address the antibodies, right? Those 20 years of antibodies ravaging my thyroid. So the amount of soft scar tissue in there is such as she just, she's not going to, you know, I, I got to be on the meds. Right. Yeah, your, th your thyroid is, is very compromised from years of abuse. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more gem, all right, because I know I have to go soon, but I want to give you one more gem with all of this, okay? So the big takeaways to this is, number one, is it's not a TSH game. It's a TPO, TGAB. It's an antibody game, okay? Number two, gluten-free is a non-negotiable, absolute non-negotiable. Number three, always check on the spleen. Spleen is primary. Make sure that spleen is rocking out and see where else you have to decongest them. And number four, reach deep into your acupuncture-like toolbox and teach your patient how to gua sha 
their own throat and teach them how to gua sha the back of their neck. Make it part of the routine to do every night before they go to bed. I have like little bags here. I just go down to Chinatown. I get like the soup spoons for like a buck. Yeah, they're right? great. They're great. You know what else um, works really, really well? Mm, Jelly jar cap. lids. Yeah, that's what we use at the college. That's what we use at the college, right? But what happens is, is when you start to gua sha and you teach the patient to do this consistently, and it's not about depth, it's about consistency. So when you teach them to gua sha their neck safely, every night before they go to bed, what it starts to do is it starts to break up the soft scar tissue in there. It starts to open up the wren. It starts to open up the dew. It starts to clear out the gallbladder. It starts to like affect the chong. It goes down to those deeper levels and it gives the thyroid breathing room and it drops antibodies. It drops antibodies. And there was a study that came out of Korea and the study was bonk. The study was crap. You read the study and you're just like, this is the worst EIP I've ever seen. But the theory is good, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, I and started- you've seen in practice that it holds yeah. up. I've seen in practice that it holds up. I, I've seen antibody numbers drop by 75%. Where in the hell are these antibodies coming from in the first place? What's going on here? It's the immune system, right? So, and one of the things I like, and I dealt with this personally, and, and I deal with it with patients, is like, you know, any, any sort of chronic long-term disease, and when I say disease, I mean out of ease, right? Any sort of like chronic like long-term thing, like there's this, feeling in the sense that your body's betrayed you, that your body's gone haywire, that, that your, your, your body's out of sorts and you don't deserve this. And, and why is your body reacting like this? And it's kind of a mental game. And it took me a little while to realize that my body loves me more than I love her sometimes. And it's a huge one. It's a huge one. And the immune system, like I said, it's like your drunk friend in a bar. She's trying to protect you. And she's getting a misread on what's dangerous. And she's getting a misread because she's living in a system that's dirty. It's toxed up. Like there's too many things coming at her. And she's overtired and overtaxed. Mm -hmm. And so. Not seeing clearly. And she's just not seeing clearly. That's mm -hmm. the phlegm. Mm. That's the phlegm, and it's the mm -hmm. phlegm coming from the environment, right? And so she's throwing punches, trying to, she's trying like hell to protect you. She's trying like hell to give you a human experience. She's trying like hell to keep you here, and she's trying like hell to hold the system together so Shen has something to, to inhabit, right? But, but she's taking you out in the process. Yeah, she, she's taken out like some big players in the process, right? Like she's taken down the house. And so it, it took me a long time, you know, especially like, you know, and then you can always have like insulin, you know, you can have like other things like back up into it. And it took me a long time, like, yo, I rock out 180 at five foot one and I love my body. I love my body. I love what she does for me. I love how I'm able to move through the world with her. I love how intuitive she can be. I love the nervous system that inhabits it. And she's got this thing right? She's got this like little pissy rage where every so often she goes and punching bags of thyroid. But if, if I take care of her, if I take care of her and I work not to overtaxation and I stay off the gluten and I do my gua sha at night 
right? And I do my meditations and my shavasanas and my movements and all of that. Like I actually technically, technically by the blood work, I come in and out of Hashi's now. I come in and out of Hashi's. I still need the nature throid to get the hormone to get my snacky snacks, right? But when I'm behaving... You're in a whole different place than you used to be. Totally different. 100%. Okay. 100. I, I, I can do 14, 15 hour days now. Holy smokes. Which I, mean, which I never used... Yeah, that, that's a long ass day. It's a long ass day, but anybody. I can do it with... Yeah, but I can do it without taxation. And that's not like bragging rights, right? Mm -hmm. the, like not at all. Like it still takes a lot to do that, right? And you still have to take care of yourself. You can't do it every damn day. No, you don't do it every damn day. And like when you know those days are coming, like you take care of yourself into the lead-in and you take care of yourself through the day and then you take care of yourself through through the recuperation to it. And I'm not having to be in bed for 17, 18 hours at a time on the weekends, right? And, you know, it, it's helping patients now. I Like, does the acupuncture help with this? Yes, of course. Like, the acupuncture can calm down the immune system. Yeah, well, right? I mean, you had incredible things happen just having acupuncture. I mean, it's the first thing that opened you up to going, holy smokes, life could be different. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, but I find that, you know, what I usually do with patients is I usually see them once a week for, like, six to seven weeks. Now, if I was in California or, you know, one of the states where I could test, you better fucking believe I'd be testing, like, their tits off. Like, I'd be testing, like, left, right, and sideways. I can't do that in New York. So my hands are a little tied here. But, but what I usually do is I usually work with them for, like, six weeks. And then I try to take them down to once every two weeks. Once, like, the habits are there, once, like, they understand what they need to be doing, like, once they're a little bit more self-sufficient, and then we've stabilized some of the herbs. Like, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite combos is bujang ichitong in the morning. Because remember, that's 28, like, like, a real bujang, like, starts at 28 grams of uh, huangqi in it. Big ass dose, because what that does, and remember that old model we were talking about, right, with earth in the center. So that spleen, what the bujang does is it flips the spleen. And then at night, at night, you give them shao chai hutong. Because shao chai hutong starts to get it to spin. Yeah. And it takes, it, it takes a while. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in my mind. You can, you can see I'm it, right? I'm looking at the antique five yeah. out, and it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. And you were talking earlier in our conversation about that we've got this thing and it needs to spin. The earth is what makes it spin. The friction of the earth is what makes it spin. And so here you are making the damn thing spin. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like, you know, when you're riding a bike and like you get the wheels set properly and then you lean into it and you kick with one foot to give that little push to the bike and then you pedal. And, and then you're on, right. And then you're on, right? right? So that's what the Sha Chai Hutong is. Little push. It'll, it's a little push. And if you've cleared the methylation pathways, like if, if you suspect that MTHFR thing, right? Which again, it's just that constitutional liver cheese stagnation, liver blood deficiency. And you've done a little bit of amino work, like a little bit of um, supplement vitamin work. And then you throw them into the herbs, like they're going. They're, going, they're, they're, they're off doing the Tour de France on you that can bike. Switch them from like, an Abbey into a Betty. Yeah, 100%. And, and it just, it, it takes patience, right? It takes patience and it takes time, but... Totally worthwhile, though. And they can get a lot better than just in, instead of just like persisting and, you know, trying to exist with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and again, like that, that antibody 
the game, right? The antibody game, if that's what we're going to call it, right? It's the gluten and it's the gua sha, like on the throat. Like those are the two big ones. Um, like if, if there's no other takeaway from like this conversation, those are like the two big things I want people to walk away with. The antibody game, gluten, and then the, the gua sha on the neck. Okay. So this has been utterly delightful. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, this is fun. <laughs> I'm both excited and jazzed and like a little confused and disoriented because <laughs> we've, we've covered so much. <laughs> and and I kind of like that because it's like, oh, there's a big thing to look at here. And yet, because of the way you've described it, particularly in Chinese medicine terms, it's like, oh, I think I can get a handle on this. If people want to get more information or they want to learn how to do this better, are there books? Are you teaching classes? What are resources people can get their hands on? Are there resources? Not right now. Okay. And sorry. Are you writing a book? <laughs> My students are forcing me to. Good. My students are forcing me to. There, there is a book out there written by Mark Ryan, who's an LAC. He approaches the, the thyroid from a five element standpoint. It's a very good book. It's a very, very, very good book. There's also, for like kind of primers, right, Susie Cohen wrote a book called Thyroid Health. She looks like a psychopath on the front because she's Botoxed her face and she's over smiling. And I refused to read that book forever because it's just like, I was like, mm, your shan ain't present here, honey. But it's one of the best books as like a primer, not just on Hachis, but on thyroid across the board. It's very, very good. If you want to get like kind of sciencey, there's a book written by a guy named Datis Karazian. So D-A-T-I-S-K-H-A-R-A-Z-Z-I-A-N. And it's got like the world's like worst title. It's like, why do I still have thyroid symptoms, but my lab values are normal, blah, 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 blah. Um, the copyright to that is the early aughts. It's, it was one of the first books to hit the scene. And but if you're going to read, read the, read the Susie Cohen book first because of how... Just don't look at her picture. Just don't look at the picture, right? Like, ignore the Botox. But how she primes and talks about the thyroid, right, is just, you know, feel like you walk away with a better lexicon and vocabulary around thyroid health from reading it. And then Karazian gets into kind of like the science of some of it. I've seen postulations out there that there's actually 21 different types of Hashimoto's. That comes back to the story of reading like the blood work. Right. I was right? just thinking you were saying you, you notice that there's different kinds of presentations based on what the blood looks like. So there's not just one type of Hashimoto's, which is already, I mean, that would be kind of mind boggling to the Western medicine community, wouldn't it? To go, oh, there's oh, more than one yeah. type. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Karazian, like Karazian really gets into, um, you know, and he and he does do CEU. I, I don't know that you can get CEUs um, as ACUs, but, but he does do e-learning with things, with like gut health, brain health, connections, thyroid, all of it. He's, he's absolutely like stupendous. And Mark Ryan studied with him for a long time. And Ryan was able to, in his book, was able to from a five element standpoint, start to break some of it down. But yeah, like I, I'm, I'm hoping to do like more podcasts, hoping to do like, you know, even like little YouTube videos for people. Cause like the information needs to be out there. Cause it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. It's all over the place. And, and when you were talking about the presentation of women as they're growing up and their menses isn't quite right. And then they get these headaches and then the skin and oh, I'm anxious. And 
You're right. It is a significant population of people that we see. This is very, very everyday stuff. And to have the perspective, you know, it's like another handle to grab this thing with. Um, this is super helpful. Yeah, it's everyday stuff we don't need to be to be living with in any field that if you're in for a long time, right, you start to get kind of bored with some of it. Like I'm going to freely admit, like I start to get bored with some of this, right, because I see it so often and it's so rote. However, the reason I haven't given up on it and the reason that I keep hammering at it is because other people need to be having this knowledge. They need to be treating like other practitioners need to be treating like at this level with their patients. And I consider it a feminist issue. I consider it a feminist issue because so many women, it's a particular, no, men suffer from it too, but the majority are women. So many women are suffering that they just, they don't have to, they don't have to. Great. Heidi, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. Oh, Again, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little. <laughs> Sorry if I, if, if I totally like gave you a scrambled eggs for ah, brains. This is great. <laughs> you know, I, I love it when my sense of what I think I understand gets a bit scrambled up because it just means there's more to learn. Hopefully I can help my patients better. Um, and it's fun to talk to you. You're a badass. Yeah. You're like the total badass, man. I try. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, humans being hard and you got to have a little bit of fun along the way, right? You got it, sister. <laughs> yep. All, All right. right. Thank you, Michael. Thank really you. appreciate this. I've attempted to read a couple of books now on thyroid and how all those hormonal interactions work with it. I've been pretty unsuccessful. I'm really grateful to Heidi for this particular conversation because I feel like I understand the thyroid a bit better, at least enough to help my patients and to ask some questions from the Western point of view that might help me with my Chinese medicine thinking as well. So thanks so much for that today, Heidi. Hope that you all have enjoyed today's episode. A deep bow of appreciation and a heartfelt thank you to all of you who helped to support the podcast with a monthly or yearly membership. Your contribution, make sure that this podcast reaches all of our ears on Tuesday mornings. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.